You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Final hour on this Tuesday, the Hall of Famer Steve Young on loan from the Mothership will join us coming up. More phone calls. Are we going to stay with the poll question that we've had throughout the show, McLovin? I think we should try a new one. So the first one was, which coaching vacancy would you want? And the Raiders actually ran away from with that one. Okay. Uh, we had the fan base that's most depressed. Paulie has a question that is more about officiating. Should you be able to be called for taunting if your team is losing? Yes, Paulie. Some people said that why wasn't Tom Brady called for anything when he went over towards the other team's bench? Isn't that the Bears player did that a couple months ago? Some backup linebacker? He went towards the other team bench and starts F-bombing them and yelling at them. But was he taunting because it wasn't after a successful play and they didn't have the lead? <laughs> so can you be fined for harassing the other team's bench? It's the same act. You're causing a, a situation with your behavior. Was Brady taunting? He was definitely yelling and screaming and went over to the other team's bench and engaged them. He was asked about this last night on his podcast with Jim Gray. Tommy also went over into the bench area of the Saints and had a conversation. What were you screaming at them? Uh, we were just expla- exchanging pleasantries. It was a nice night in, uh, in Tampa. So we were just wonderfully in the heat of the moment expressing uh, – you know, I wouldn't say pleasantries, but we were uh, very competitive in that moment. It was emotional. So it's just football players being football players. All right. But if you're losing, you're being shut out. Can you taunt when you're losing? Right. I don't know. I, I would say, Todd, ask the NFL, but I'm afraid you will. And I don't <laughs> want to bother the NFL. But you engage the other team's bench. Who was the uh, Bears player? Chase something? Yeah. But he he did his taunting towards the – or looked over at the bench and then came back and then he got bumped in to by the official. Yes, he – But wait, is that the guy who did like the spinning leg yeah, kick yeah. and then did this like celebration yeah. and then went over and did that stuff? That yeah. guy? Yeah. yeah. Cassius Marsh. Yeah, Cassius Marsh. That's right. Yeah. And he, he dressed like uh, Conan the Barbarian in his press conference. Yeah, he had some big fur jacket. Big fur collar. His hair looked like a poodle. Yes, Paul. But the NFL explained his uh, penalty and fine. He went over towards the other team's bench, engaged them, and in a long, like, it wasn't a quick move. He didn't say anything to them. Not he just utter a word. looked at them. Brady was engaged the other team's sidelines and bench and coaches yeah. and started yelling and screaming. Yes, Tom. It shouldn't matter if, what the score is or who's winning or losing. If you're causing some kind of disruption that's going to lead to some kind of fight, which you're trying to stop, then uh, I think both sides should get a penalty no matter what. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Tom. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Did I not add anything there? <laughs> Why is he laughing? I'm, tra- I'm trying to follow the trail of giggle. <laughs> it's it's coming from your buddy in the front row. You could just, you know, we're five seconds into your response, and I could just, you know, Dan gets an expression on his face, or sometimes he'll be looking over at you, Todd, and then he'll look at me, and I just, I know exactly what's going on. Because he's on thank you, Todd, standby, regardless of how intelligent or dumb what I'm about to say is. It's already, I've already got two strikes on me. Thank you, Todd. That's the problem. You're welcome. Yes, Molly. <laughs> Going back to what Todd said, <laughs> the ramifications of. Oh, we were so quiet earlier. Now we hear from you, and then you drop that one. <laughs> uh, welcome to the final hour. Uh, we say good morning Ever. to our. <laughs> oh, no, that's Thursday for McLovin. The final 
our Thursday. You better not put a guess in that last segment. <laughs> I remember when it was Keith Oberman's last show at SportsCenter. And, you know, we were building in, I think, around 60 seconds for him to say goodbye. You know, because he, he helped change TV. He, he changed SportsCenter. 60 seconds is a lot. It might have been 30 seconds. But just for Keith to say, hey, you know what, whatever. Thank you. Good night. And I just remember the producer squeezing in a tennis score, I think. It might have been like a Singapore Open. And, 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 and so we're coming, we're, we're getting ready to come out of commercial break. And there's like a minute left in the show. And then you hear this, uh, hey, uh, can, we, uh, can we get this uh, tennis uh, score in uh, from Singapore? And I think Keith got like 12 seconds to say goodbye in his final sports center. <laughs> but I just remember I went, oh, we don't need to do this. We don't need to have Monica Sellis just got bounced from the Singapore Open or something. Yeah, Paul. But knowing Keith in that 12 seconds, he was still able to offend three different <laughs> executives in the building. He could do it. 12 seconds, no problem. No, because this is when he was leaving to go to Fox, and Fox was going to challenge SportsCenter. And uh, I'm like, they were letting him still do a show when he'd already announced that he was leaving to go to Fox Sports. And I was like, all right. Who knows what he's going to say? I mean, he did it professionally, but uh, at the very end, I think he got 12 seconds to say goodbye. Yeah, Paul. I, I know it's way back when, but in the early 90s, CNN put up a pretty good fight when they put up that Sports Tonight show. No. And they were, I'm just saying from a fan standpoint, you guys were crushing with SportsCenter, but for, for a while, they, they went after it. The CNN. only time that they were, there was any competition was when Nick Charles and Fred Hickman did Sports Tonight. When they went after I left and we got to Sports Center and Sports Center changed, um, there there was no competition whatsoever. But Nick and Fred, that show was better than Sports Center. They were better than any you know tag team partners that Sports Center had at the time. And uh, but then that changed because Sports Center figured out how to do it and uh, brought in the right people and that you know they they put everybody in their in their wake. Uh, yeah, McLevin. Do you remember the CNN-SI merger was so, people thought that was going to be so big. Yep. Didn't work out. But what went wrong? Do you remember? I don't, I don't remember. Uh, I, I was at uh, ESPN at the time. But you can't, ch it's really hard to change somebody's viewing patterns. When you think about it, how many channels do you go to? In, in the course of a night, you'll flip over to, Four or five, you might be TNT, might be the mothership, uh, could be you know Fox Sports One, uh, maybe a news channel in there, maybe uh, main cabin man. Like there's always five or six channels that you're really considering. Well, now we're telling people, hey, you got to go and, and watch this channel now. You know, Fox Sports did a really good job. You know, they had a lot of talent there. They just, you know, they, they tried to take us on right away. They tried to be the USFL going against the NFL. They tried. They brought in stars, and it just didn't work. Because you're asking people to find them, and you change your viewing patterns. And SportsCenter, you know, they put SportsCenter on in the morning. You know, so you get those who can't stay up at night. They got to watch it before they went to school. So you kept that, you know, cycle going of 
you get to stay up later, you get to watch the 11 o'clock, or you might be watching the 1 o'clock, depending where you are in the country. Then in the morning, if you didn't get to stay up, you got to watch it in the morning. You didn't miss anything. And it was really one of the brilliant moves that SportsCenter had and changed uh, you know, sports TV. Yeah, Paul. If you go back when I was in college, when you, you were doing SportsCenter, it became the first on-demand show because it was almost, you know, you usually got three minutes of sports locally or even ESPN in the early to mid-80s, SportsCenter was on and then they'd play weird stuff overnight, you know, replays of a college basketball game. Once you guys started doing that replay from, I guess, 11 p.m. till 7 a.m., you'd come home at 2 in the morning from a bar and watch your entire sports on a show. It's always available. But they had, it used to be the 11 o'clock, then they added the 1 o'clock or the 2 o'clock, and then that show would air. You'd have to stay until every game was over, and then 6 a.m. you were getting a full sports center. Everything was over with, and you know that would re-air through the morning, and then they would start with live sports centers again. But yeah, I remember uh, Chris Myers and and Keith Oberman went to Fox Sports, and I remember when Keith said that they were coming after us. I said, "You better pack a bleeping lunch, dude, because ball game, you know, you know, you're not going to make a dent here." And uh, you know, it proved to be true. But look, I was playing with house money. We had a better show. We had a you know, head start on them. But they did some really good things. You know, they had some really good talent analysts there as well. But, you know, you're you're asking people to change their viewing patterns. All right. Uh, so what poll question are we going to go with final hour here? Uh, so Paulie had the taunting one. Uh, you never answered, by the way, the the youngest. Oh, we did actually. Sorry. Ray in the back just put up the youngest wide receiver that you would want. 25 and under receiver, C.D. Lamb. DK Metcalf, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, or Jalen Waddell. And the early leader is actually Jamar Chase on that one. Okay. I, I, you know, I don't think you – I wouldn't put DK Metcalf in there. Remember he was the hot guy like a year, a year ago. ago? A year ago. What happened? Because his numbers are – we looked at his numbers. He's like 22nd in the league in receiving yards. The whole team cooled off. And their offensive philosophy feels like it's different than any other team in the NFL. And you got Russ. But – no, I wouldn't put DK in there. Uh, how old is Diggs? Is he like 26? Stefan Diggs? Because he's pretty good, too. Maybe, maybe he doesn't fit in the uh, 25 and under. Yeah, Paul. Two years ago, the Seahawks offense was top 10. They were uh, ninth in points, eighth in yards. This year, they're 28th in yards from scrimmage. This is a Seahawks offense. Yeah. Yeah, see. Stefan Diggs just turned 28. Oh, okay. I saw Cooper Cup, I thought, would be in there. He's 28, too. Is he? Yeah, I believe so, unless I misread it. Well, is this his fourth season in the NFL? I don't know how old he was when he came out of Eastern Washington. Yeah, he's 28. Wow. He was 24 as a rookie. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense then. All righty. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at show. Raiders beat the Browns. I don't know what it says about the Raiders, but it does say the Browns are dead. The Vikings handled the Bears barely. Like you're just you keep waiting for the Vikings to like come on, let's go. It's the Bears, blow them out. But they uh, and then they got the oh by the way touchdown. So you got Seahawks at the Rams tonight, and you got Washington at the Eagles. More likely for a surprise, Washington beats the Eagles in Philly, or the Seahawks beat the Rams in L.A. I guess I would go Washington 
it, it feels like the Rams are a whole lot better than Seattle is and playing well right now. Although Seattle's got back-to-back wins, but um, I, I guess I would say Washington beating the Eagles. They feel like they're this, basically the same teams. Uh, not very good. But a chance for the wild card. Yes, McLovin. So the Rams are actually were favored by six. It went down to four and is back to five. Okay. Over the weekend, but it keeps moving around. The Eagles Washington spread has moved all over the map. I saw six last night. Well, it was four, and right. then it went to nine. Yeah, <laughs> but but that's when they were going to play Sunday. Oh, Sunday, right? Right. And uh, I think the the Washington got really critical players back, so I think that has come down. With two games left in Week 15, a total of 30 games this season have been decided by a scoring play on the final play of the game. We had that last night with Daniel Carlson's uh, 48-yard field goal as the Raiders beat the Browns. That's the most games that have been decided on the final play through Week 15 since 1981. Stat of the day, stat of the day, stat of the day, stat of the day. Here comes that what? Stat of the day. The Bears outgained the Vikings 370 to 193, but turned the ball over three times and went one for five in the red zone. (sighs) Justin Fields is trying to do too much. Now, he has the athleticism to do it, but I don't know if he has any other choice than to try to make something happen there. But, and I'll talk to Steve Young about this, that a younger quarterback doesn't know better, that they're so used to making something happen in college that, of course, something good is going to happen. Well, that's not the case in the NFL. And Justin Fields is trying to do too much, and there are times when you just throw the ball away. Don't try to force it in there. Live to see another play. And we've seen that from all of these rookie quarterbacks this year. So we'll talk to Steve Young and uh, more phone calls as well. Anything else that needs to be mentioned, Paul? You know I love point differential stats. Yeah, this is I love this one. Okay, the Buffalo Bills are eight and six and have outscored the opposition by 151 points this season. The Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> are seven six and one and have been outscored by 44 points this season. Yeah. They're half a game apart. And are they double digit underdogs against the Chiefs? I, I think nine and a half. Okay. Yes, McLovin. If the Bills lose to the Patriots, they could still go ten and seven, but they lose every tiebreaker and would probably be outside. And so not make the playoffs? Possibly, depending on what else happens. But there's a good chance they'd lose all their tiebreakers at 10 and 7. Well, this is, we're going to get to that point where here are the tiebreakers, here are the scenarios. And, and it feels like those last two weeks, it just gets crazy. Like next week, we're going to be going, well, if this team and this team and then, then, and then that team, and then next thing you know, you know, the Lions have a chance to get into the playoffs. Yes, Paul. The tie the Steelers have could actually help them a lot by not, not being a loss. And then uh, eight and six, Bills eight and six, Ravens eight and six, mm. Colts eight and six, Chargers eight and six. Take a break. The uh, Hall of Famer Steve Young will join us next year on the Dan Patrick Show. Lifting weights, golfing, maybe running. You need to take care of those sore muscles. Post-workout discomfort popping up in new spots all the time. That's why I love Level Select CBD sports creams and roll-ons. Use the roll-on all the time. It's good enough for Carson Palmer, Ricky Fowler, and Steve Garvey. It's good enough for me. Level Select CBD, formulated with doctors, high concentration of CBD. Feel it work immediately, usually 30 seconds or less, and it's made with 0% THC. 
You apply that level select roll-on right to the sore spots and let that proprietary blend of CBD go to work. And it does amazing things. Go to levelselectcbd.com. Use the promo code DP30. That's $30 off your entire order today. It's all about sore muscles and those post-workout discomforts uh, in new spots all the time as you get older. So you get $30 off levelselectcbd.com. The promo code is DP30. So they know you listen to the show. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, and South Dakota. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Get to more phone calls coming up. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dpshow. Always been one of my favorite guests, going back to the mothership. Steve Young, Hall of Famer, ESPN NFL analyst, three-time Super Bowl champ. Paulie, do you have the scouting report on Steve from the Combine before I bring him on? Yeah, back in the early 80s, Gil Brandt was taking notes on Steve Young. Mm. He listed him at six foot even and a six foot and one half inch, 205. The 40-yard dash he had from him, his hand time was 4.55 seconds for a 40. Okay. Let's bring in Steve Young. Does that sound right, Steve? Four, five, five for the Seems 40? Seems slow, Dan. Seems slow to me. <laughs> I, I, I was faster than that in college. Uh, I, Gil, Gil had a slow watch, let's be honest. <laughs> you, you knew that. And then six foot, half inch. I mean, look at my football card, Dan. It's at six, two. I mean, six, if you want to know accuracy, look at a football card. What? I've this been around card. you. You're not six, two, Steve. Foot co- football cards don't lie. <laughs> you know, football. The funny thing is, football cards is when you when you're when you start out of the league, they give you a sheet, you fill it out, and that's what they use. So I wrote down six two because that's I. If you ask me, am I six two? I would pass a lie detector test saying yes, I am six two. But Gil Brandt, of course, thinks that he's gonna you know shrink me down because I'm you know didn't go play for the Cowboys. So whatever. Did you want to play for the Cowboys? Roger Staubach was my hero. Ooh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was uh, Roger. I mean, my, you know, he had, you know, the, all the posters you have in your bedroom, and and uh, Roger was he had that action picture of Roger. I remember it. And the ball, uh, he started to run, and the, and the ball was out here, and and you could see. Well, I'm lefty, but he was righty, and his hand and his fingers on the on the ball were just you could see it perfectly. And I remember spending hours on. <laughs> I had the ball, and I'd put my fingers, and I'd go, oh, right there, yeah, right there. <laughs> You know, it's funny about uh, heroes, Dan, because I remember uh, uh, when I was growing up, Roger Stavik was super influential to me. I mean, I, I tried to talk like him. I tried to run like him. I, you know, and and the thing is, he didn't know me. And it's like people say, oh, I'm, I'm not responsible for raising your kids or I'm not responsible. Well, I'm trying to pay it forward for what Roger did for me in my whole life, just because I think that that's. That's my experience. So Roger was much more than a poster on the wall. That was for sure. But did you think about if, if let's say Dallas had the rights or could have drafted you, let's put it that way, would you maybe bypass the USFL? Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I you know, when Cincinnati had the first pick and Sam Weiss came out and told me they were going to use me for it, and I had John Hadle and Sid Gilman John uh, Don, uh, Don Klosterman, who had just left the Rams uh, in L.A., and 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 I could go play right away in L.A. 
Uh, Gary Zimmerman, my buddy that I'd met on the All-Star Games, was going to be my right tackle. He ended up being a Pro Football Hall of Famer. There were so many guys that were young and really good players. So I really, I kind of believe Don Klosterman and and Sid Gilman telling me that he could teach me how to, you know, play quarterback. And that was some big stuff. And rather than just go sit behind Ken Anderson or whatever they were going to do, I, I, but if it was Dallas, yeah, I, I think that might have won the day. Is there a bias against left-handed quarterbacks? Yeah, there has to be, Dan. I mean, I mean, just the, just the numbers. I mean, there's 10% of the the country is left-handed, and 0% of quarterbacks in the NFL are left-handed. Other than now, Tua showed up after five or six years of nobody. <clears throat> but what's the now difference on the field, though, Steve? The difference is an advantage. Uh, everything in football is right-handed. Every coach puts up the play right-handed. Every play is run right-handed first. Um, right, everything is right-handed. So a lefty, I always felt like. You know, uh, it was it was like linebackers would, you know, they were you could see that they were like, well, you know, they weren't sure where, you know, it was just a little bit of an advantage. And I but I remember in my in college, uh, Doug Scoble was my uh, offensive coordinator at BYU and, and a freshman. And he didn't know my name. I was like eighth string. He saw me in like November of my freshman year at the end of the season. I ran into him and he said, hey, young. And I was like, oh, he knows my name. And he goes, uh, you know, by the way, I don't coach lefties. And I, I was like, well, <laughs> so much for that. <laughs> that was not, that's not what I'd heard. And, uh, but he was serious. But he ended up going to San Diego State a month later. And Ted Tolner came in to run the offense. And, uh, and he was, and I had, I'd moved to defense because uh, Lavelle Edwards had moved me over there because couldn't coach lefties. Wait, wait, wait. And, you're, uh, a, you're a defensive back? For about for about two weeks in January in, in winter meetings, Tom Holmo was uh, the defensive captain, and he was teaching me how to backpedal. And I and because they said, "Look, you're you're fast. You're four five five, Gilbert. Uh, you you could you could go tackle everybody." And and so I was like, "All right, I guess I have no choice." And then Ted Tolner came in. I was I kept throwing the football because I was loving learning how to throw it. Really, I, Jim McMahon had shown me how to how to release the ball and really put power on it. I never really learned in high school. And then when I learned that, I was like, I, could, I just want to throw the football. I can. It's amazing how it feels and what I could do, and I could put it right there, you know. And Ted Tolner said, "Why are you? Why did you move to defense?" I go, "Because I'm lefty." And Ted Tolner, <laughs> thing, what, what are you, an idiot? What do you, what do you mean? We're going to, uh, no, they told me I couldn't play le- a quarterback because I was lefty. And he goes, "That's stupid." He went in to Salavell, and then next he said, "Look, I negotiated uh, for spring ball for four weeks of spring ball. The first two weeks, you're going to play quarterback." And um, and if that doesn't work out, then you can go back to defensive back. And by the end of the two weeks, I was backing up Jim McMahon, and there you have it. So lefties, left, but there is definite, there has to be Dan a, a bias against lefties because there's just no, there's none around. That's just crazy. But I also wonder when you think of a lefty, we normally don't think that they have great velocity. You know, I, it feels like they have touch. They have touch. You know, Kenny Stabler <laughs> had touch. No, no, I'm just saying. Well, that, I, I, well look, you've got a s- sample size of three. <laughs> no, so, you, you so, Michael Vick could throw it. My, Michael Vick could throw it. Okay, I get you, Shane. Um, I, I, gotta, I mean, two no, is a finesse guy. Look, I understand it's like not a fastball out there, 
But uh, for getting the job done and, I mean, Joe Montana, even, you know, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, I mean, there's not a fastball in there right now, right? So I don't know what you're looking for, the Jeff George special. No, 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 I'm not. Did I just offend you? Where are you headed, Dan? You've got the bias as well. I see you're part of the problem. You're not part of the solution. Wow. Wow. My apology. My apologies. I, I'm sorry to all left-handed quarterbacks out there. I apologize. You can see I'm, I'm not. I'm not emotional about it. At all. <laughs> no. <laughs> do you do you toss the ball? When's the last time you actually played catcher through the ball? Last night, Justin Jefferson and Randy Moss. Well, I, I mean, for a like a you, you miss me dancing yes, the gritty. I don't know what what, what you got. What, do you watch sports, Dan? What I don't know if you we're the we're the pre pregame show of record. I don't know why you would miss that. What show are you on? Oh, you're Monday. on that Fox show. Yeah, Monday I, night. Oh, Monday yes, Monday night. ESPN oh. Monday night. Yes, I can't believe that. That uh, is just disrespectful. I'm no sorry. wonder you you hate lefties. I can. See I do. That now. I but you know why I know what Montana's doing. <laughs> How? Yeah, yeah, I, I backed you in the corner. You had to come out shooting with both guns. You're like, I know, oh, what, I know. What can I do? I know. My Young's bad. got me in the corner. <laughs> now where do I go? I just got to. I got to fire. I got to fire as hard as I can. How close did Jim McMahon come to getting tossed out of BYU? Not. I mean, I, I remember Lavelle was just a masterful human being. He he. He was a he was a phenomenal human. He could he could he could see the good in people. He could he could work the the system and give people opportunities. And Jim McMahon, he I remember him calling in Jim and saying, Jim, man, come on. Like if you're gonna throw a party like that, you gotta do it in Park City. You can't, you can't do that in you can't do it in Provo, man. You gotta go to Park City. And uh Jim's like, Yeah, 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 okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh but he just <laughs> Lavelle saw the good in everybody, and Jim had a lot of good. He was a he was a funny, good guy. He was crazy, but he was a he was a he was a good human. And uh, BYU is better for having him around. So, uh, but I did see some things I've never seen ever <laughs> since. By the way, people always say, "What's the wildest thing you've ever seen in your life?" Or where were you? Where were you? It's like I was in Provo, Utah. <laughs> and what did you see? Uh, let's not. Uh, I, I, uh, let's just leave it that Dan, that Jim McMahon threw some uh, some crazy <laughs> stuff. So, but you didn't go to the parties, did you? I popped in. I popped in. I was invited. I popped in. It always checked it out. I was it, checked it out. I thought, holy cow! Did you ever hear Dion talking about when he first got to the Cowboys, and Michael no. Michael Irvin was throwing a party at Hotel Suite, <laughs> and Dion shows up. And he says, Mike, I, I don't do that stuff. I don't live like this. And he, and he turned around and walked out of the hotel room. <laughs> Dion, uh, you know, Dion is a, I remember him joining the 49ers and, and uh, everyone was worried about what kind of teammate Dion would be. And because you know, no one knew him really well because he'd been in Atlanta and uh, knew he was a phenomenal football player, but I'm not sure about a teammate. And he walked in and he said, look, Steve, I am a uh, masterclass uh, PR guy, so don't be fooled. I know what I'm doing there, but don't ever don't don't pay attention. Don't don't get involved in it. Uh, I'm going to be the best teammate you ever had. And I remember that's a heck of a statement, and it was true. It was like just don't pay attention to all the stuff going on. I'm going to take you the in the locker room. I got your back. I'm going to I'm I'm and he was he was a phenomenal teammate, very underrated uh, locker room guy. He was he was an amazing, amazing football player and an amazing, amazing kind of uh, athlete. 
And I mean, not just athlete uh, physically, like an emotional uh, athlete. Like he could be, you know, go go do the uh, Dion thing, and then he could he could you know he could do two things at once. He could be a phenomenal you know teammate, and he could be out there doing his you know kind of marketing Maven stuff. It but was, I wonder though, with the emphasis on offense, if if Dion is coming up now, is he a wide receiver? Well, what about the kid he just he just yeah. got signed? I mean, you know what he told him. You know, look, I, 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 the same kind of thing. I mean, Dion's very influential, and he's he, the kid's going to play defensive back. And it sounds like he's the great one of the great athletes of all time. Why didn't he play receiver? I, I in fact, I, funny you asked that question, Dan. I, just the other day, I was asking. I said to myself when he when he signed the kid. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, I remember I can't remember his name, but Travis he, uh, Hunter. Travis. So he goes to goes to Jackson State. I, mean, I was trying to think of how Dion sold him, and I could I could sit there, I could hear him selling him, I could hear how good he was, how good he would be, and how he could tell him, you know, all the things that uh, get him to come to Jackson State. Can you imagine being the number one recruit going to Georgia or Florida State, or and they said, no, 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 no. I'm going to Jackson State. Yeah, I mean that. How good you want to know how good Dion is right there? Well, it's it's really DSU. It's Dion Sanders University. He's he's going to play for Dion and if Dion happens to get another job it feels like that's a package deal yeah but it's pretty cool what uh, historically black colleges what Dion's doing for those schools yeah I mean it's not just one school it feels like Dion's you know kind of t- leading the way for 10 schools which is pretty I, I'm I guess I'm making my point for you yeah as I continue to talk about Dion he's quite a quite a human um, you know, I was watching you break down Justin Fields that he tries to do too much. Oh, now you're going to say you watch the show, even though you don't even know where. OK, I, I see where you're going. Go so ahead. I did watch that. You did. Okay. You did break down Justin Fields. Right. And you said that he I was did. trying too hard. Uh, young quarterbacks try too hard. What advice would you give Justin Fields? Uh, the advice I give any what I'll call dual threat quarterbacks that are good runners who can throw. Uh, they've got to they've got to graduate to throwers who can run, and the job in the NFL is to throw the football in the pocket. How long did it take you? It's a process, but it's more of an. I, I'm telling you, Sid Gilman. We go back to the USFL. One of the best things he ever did was, you know, I'd I'd run around and make plays and you know, run for first downs. And he like, what the hell? What are you doing? You, no one knows where you're going. No one knows what you're doing. No one, what, what, stand in there and throw the football. And I'm like, what do you mean stand and throw the football? I'm not going to take a sack and, you know, I can go run around and, and make something happen. What are you talking about? He goes, you don't understand. We call a play in the huddle. The play matters. Stuff matters. You got to get it to get it the full, get the full measure of the play. You leave too early. And so one time I ran on and ran around and he got irritated. He goes, go get a rope. Someone give me a rope. Someone got a jump rope or something that was running around. He goes, he got a rope. He stopped practice. He tied my legs together. (laughs) You know, it was more ceremonial. You know what I mean? But he was like telling me what I would want to tell Justin Fields, what I would want to tell Michael Vick, which I did tell Michael Vick, what I would tell anybody who could run around and throw the football. You have to. You have to be like Mac Jones. Mac Jones is not going anywhere. Mac Jones has to figure out a way to be a phenomenal, sophisticated throw the football from the pocket. And you have to be Mac Jones for some time. 
so that you can, you know, I'm not saying Mac Jones is going to be spectacular. I'm, not gonna, I'm just saying you have to be the guy that can't move. You have to, you have to tie your legs up, you know, kind of mentally so that you actually are forced to sit in there and figure out how to get the ball out of the pocket, like out of your hand. And I think once you start to learn that game and you can run around, that's when the danger really comes. I mean, that's when people, you know, I see the young uh, uh, guys and, and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and, and they're, they're getting there. And it's going to – you can see how dangerous they are. And uh, um, it was funny, Patrick Mahomes, this year really the challenge was the league as what happened to us uh, with the West Coast offense in the early 90s, it was so far ahead of everybody. Defenses finally said, forget it. Screw it. We're not – we're just going to play zone. We're just going to back up. We're going to give you everything short, but we're not going to get beat with you throwing all over the place and people running around. We're we're spinning around. We're not going to do that. We're going to put 22 eyeballs on the quarterback and we're just going to wait and force you to be patient, force you to not make mistakes and mm-hmm. we'll force you to go, you know, nine, 10, 11, 12 play drives. You can do it all day long, but you got to show the patience. And that's what the chief, that's what happened to the chiefs this year. Defense has said, you know what? Screw it. We're not Travis Kelsey running all over the place. Uh, Tyreek Hill running the no more. Just back up and force you to play, you know, be, be, you know, human, just drop it off. And they struggled. Patrick struggled a little bit, yeah. but they they faced the challenge. Remember, was it, was it what, late October they were losing games or maybe it was middle October? You know, like, who are the Chiefs? What's going on? Well, the league said no more. And they had to adjust, and then they did, and now the league has no answer. I think the Chiefs are better today, more dangerous today than they've ever been because they now have all the arrows in the quiver that they needed. The defenses go, well, we can – we have no answer now. I got to start watching this ESPN stuff. I think Steve is really <laughs> breaking some stuff down here. Could you outrun Brady right now? Yes. Okay. Yes. Tom, <laughs> okay. Tom's a good man, a good friend. But uh, Tom, what I love about Tom, uh, well, I mean, obviously amazing in so many things. You, how do you get started? But one of the things I love is when he rarely does throw an interception, a pick six. And and Tom is super competitive, as you know, like hype, I mean, white hot super competitive, but his, his body turns to try to go clean up his mess. Cause he, he means to, right. And he starts to run to do it. And he's like, Oh, shit. <laughs> why bother? <laughs> Nobody's that forget slow it. that I'll catch him. Forget, uh, yeah, I, no. nah, forget that. And I guess, I mean, if we, can I just take one minute and, and tip my cap to the great Tom Brady, because not only has he done what he's done, but he's done it from one spot. Like I didn't have to do that. And there's a lot of guys that don't have to do that. And that is it. I mean, Peyton Manning had to do it from one spot. Dan Marino had to do it from one spot. Um, that is not a, I, I would not want to live that way. I would play in the, play in the, play in the position and not being able to get around a little bit. Man, I just, how do you, I, I just think it's amazing what they've done. I want to uh, let you plug what you're doing. Uh, you're the chairman of the board of integrity and you're uh, gifting employees. Oh, you're a good man. Uh, yeah, go ahead. So go ahead. Give give the plug. Well, no, I mean, look, I, it's funny. They, uh, I have I'm, I've transitioned 20 years ago. And now I've been in private equity for longer than I played football. 
And uh, one of our businesses, Integrity, is an insurance business, and it's called Tech Insure. And, and what they've done is all the they they sit in between the carriers and the and the insurance agents with they create products for senior living. And it's really, I mean, you think you say it's a business, and it's but it's a good, cool business. And but not only that, it's good people. And Brian Adams runs the business uh, for us. And uh, he came to me a couple of years ago, and he said, "Steve, I want to I, I want to give equity to the employees. I want to make them owners of this business." And I remember when he did it, I thought, you know, because I'd been, I'd watched the NFL for years, Dan, and you can you know this because you're older you're old, you're old enough to remember. There was days back in the '80s and '90s where like players and and owners were like miles apart. Nobody. There was like I remember 1987 when we went on strike. I want to say it was the owner of the Giants. Somebody said, "Well, don't they understand the players? We're the owners, and they're the chattel." And I remember thinking, "I went to law school, bro. I know what chattel is, and that's not cool. Like that, <laughs> that does not, that is not cool." But it was a guy like Eddie DeBartolo who finally said, "You know what? I want you as my partner. I want you as a part of my family." And and then Robert Kraft and and and. Uh, 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 Arthur Blank and our guys started to own teams that were like, look, I, I want to build a partnership with, with players. And in doing that, I think the CBA finally kind of caught up to that in the early 2000s. And you want to know why the league is so great today? You can say all kinds of things. I say it's because owners finally gave essentially profit sharing to the players. So when Brian said that to me, I said, that's a great idea because when people feel like they're owners, they, they'll they'll do anything uh, because they feel like they're, they're actually a part of this. Uh, and so he did it. And that's, he's the, I don't know if there's any insurance company in the world that does this, but he started, he gave a uh, $50 million out two years ago to get started on this program. And then we just finished another transaction with Silver Lake, Egon Durbin, the famous Egon Durbin. And, and, uh, and, and now those guys, those, that, those employees, 5,500 employees, now who had a stake in the business have now made 150 125 million dollars still with their stake i mean they're still making and 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 so yes it's a great way to give people a chance to feel that sense of ownership and it's also a great place for companies and so i guess the point we came on the show to be honest with you dan is that people there's a lot of people that own businesses i i suggest highly suggest that you think about making employees owners of your business and start to share and that's a great, it was a good example to me too, to be honest with you. So there's, that's the story. And, you know, I appreciate you Give me a second to talk about him. It's great to talk to you. And I'm going to start watching that football program that you're Great. Daniel, I love being on with you. You asked me great questions. I could go on for an hour and laugh with you and I appreciate it. And so uh, anytime. My best of the family. How many kids now? Four. I Two remember, college, the... you remember when you had your first and then, I think you said, why didn't you tell me what this was like? Yeah, see, you, you, another thing you hid from me. I, 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 I wish I had five or six. I mean, I feel like I got, you know, I started late and I mean, these kids are amazing. So, I mean, they're teaching me more. I, I have, a, you know, a couple athletes and a couple of ones in music theater wants to be on Broadway. I mean, I was like, all right, you can sing. <laughs> How do you? You can sing. No one can sing. No one can sing in my family for generations. I mean, you're known we went to Ancestry.com, and there is no singing genes anywhere. There is no connection, but the kid can sing. So that's um, awesome. Well, hey, great to talk to you again. Thanks, right, and uh, Merry Christmas, buddy. You too, Merry Christmas. All right, we'll take a break. Back after this. 
Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it. You listen to it. I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Last call for phone calls, what we learn, what's in store tomorrow. Went a little long with Steve Young, but known Steve for probably 30 years, maybe longer. He's always been one of my favorite people. Sunday night football, it'll be the Washington football team heading to Dallas to take on Dak and the Cowboys, the NFC showdown. That's Sunday at 7 Eastern on NBC and Peacock. Get to uh, some phone calls here. We got games coming up tonight, Seahawks and the Rams. I'm surprised that the Rams, they're only favored by four. Does that sound right, Paulie? Yeah, they have, I think, 25 players affected right now by COVID, and a lot of players in flux. Okay. Uh, Earlier in the show, we were uh, approached by the people who are doing the Man in the Arena, the Tom Brady documentary series, his production company. And they wanted to air a uh, portion of the show. It's only 10 seconds long. And I said something about Julian Edelman. He had tested positive for uh, steroids. And, um, you know, we, of course, I didn't know what the relationship was like with Tom Brady because they sent us a cease and desist when we were the first to come out with the Tampa Bay t-shirts. So I thought, okay, maybe, maybe we get petty with Tom and say no. Not that the documentary hangs in the balance because I'm not giving them a Julian Edelman thing, but uh, we appreciate your enthusiasm for the clip. But yeah, but it's petty with Tom, not Tom Petty. Oh, okay. Yeah, see what I did with that, Paulie? Uh, yes, Paul. Some are saying we should be as a, a trade-off. That means me, but I'm pinning it on listeners. <laughs> I, I love that when somebody in the media, you know, some are saying. Yeah, nobody's saying it at all. How about we're allowed to sell the Tampa Bay shirts um, until the Super Bowl mm. as a trade-off for using our footage free of charge? No, but then Tom sent me an autographed jersey Classic yesterday. Move. Classic Brady move. And out of nowhere, I open up this package, but it's been overnighted. And, and so the timing of getting the jersey, an autographed jersey, and Paulie getting this note, this inquiry from the production company, maybe, maybe there's an olive branch here. Yes, Eden. What was the, uh, like, where did it say it came from? Like TB12 productions or something? Mm. Do you have the return address and can you give it to me, please? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I didn't look at it. And how do they get your address? I don't know. I don't know. But he did say Dan on the autograph, so I can't sell it unless it's. I can't steal it. Yeah, unless it's somebody named Dan who wants it. But uh, no, it was a very nice gesture. I appreciated that and got it uh, delivered and brought it in today. Paulie brought that up, and I said, yes, they can use, absolutely, they can use the clip, the, the Julian Edelman clip. It's official, they can use it. Remember the time he sent you his book, too? Yeah, he did. That was cool. Yeah, he, sent me, he sent me Uggs a few years ago. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> Dang. Sent me Uggs. Any cologne? I didn't get any Stetson. No Stetson? No, no mm-hmm. Stetson. Um, what did you learn, Todd? 
Steve Young idolized Roger Staubach growing up. He was much more than a poster on a wall to him. McLovin, what'd you learn? Tom Brady sent you a very nice jersey. Yeah, Seton. Yeah, you and TB12 are like total bros. Yeah. Paulie? Steve Young, defensive back? What we learned brought to you by Mercedes-Benz, their range of SUVs. Every member is waiting to impress. Learn more at MBUSA.com. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. A lot of fun today. Thanks for joining us. We'll do it again tomorrow. Seton, Paulie, Fritzy, and McLovin. Yours truly here on the Dan Patrick Show. One more item as we close out the show. Got a new partner. Excited to tell you about this. Remember when you would play Little League or play catch with your dad? Remember those special times? And you probably still had that well-worn broken-in glove somewhere in the attic, right? Well, this holiday, you're probably going to get a tie or maybe a tool or some socks. But how about reliving your baseball memories? FC Goods can do just that. Now, the team at Fielder's Choice Goods, that's the FC Goods, uh, they love baseball so much that they can take leather from used vintage baseball gloves from all over the country and create unique, one-of-a-kind wallets. No two wallets are the same. Every wallet looks and feels and even smells like baseball. Paulie has Ryan Sandberg, his wallet. Uh, I have a Pete Rose one. And Fielder's Choice Goods, you're going to love it. The way it feels, that vintage leather. And these are baseball gloves, made from baseball gloves. FCGoods.com. Ordering is easy. They'll express ship for free so the gift arrives in time. FCGoods.com, Fielder's Choice Goods. The legacy is in the leather.